Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Well, good morning. I'm sorry my back's to you, but I have my friend coming back for round two, Angela Malis, interview two. Are you ready for this? I was born ready. Born ready. <laughs> I can see that. All right, you got it? All right. Well, you know what? Which, either one's good. Which, which is your better side? Oh, is it? You know, um, okay, well, pick your seat. Well, just pick, just kidding. That's, that's really, that wasn't a pleasant sight. Because I still had my back to the congregation. It was really bad. So, um, we've been going through the subject of faith for the Christmas season. A part of this faith perspective is, is uh, important this time of year. Um, and Angela, here's your amazing microphone. And uh, as we read through Scripture, uh, and have been reading through Scripture, specifically Hebrews chapter 11, which typically isn't a Christmas passage of Scripture, but as we've been reading through that passage, we've seen elements of people who by faith pleased God. It was counted to them as righteousness for their faith in God. And we come to an aspect of faith today called enduring faith. How does your faith endure in spite of challenges and circumstances? And um, Angela, I thought, would uh, give us a little bit more of her story today. If, I know we have several first-time guests here today that didn't hear your story first time around. Okay. And uh, if you could just kind of briefly tell us what led to the circumstances of your physical disabilities up to this point, and how long ago was that? Well, I don't like the terminology. This, That's what this. I thought. Okay. So what would you like it's to call it? Challenging. Challenges. Physically okay. Physically challenged, but also emotionally challenged. Uh, this all began with a car accident almost 16 years ago. Uh, it's a long journey as to what I went through with a bad head injury. I got to a point that I was in a wheelchair and sleeping at least 20 hours a day for over two years. So I don't really remember that portion of time. Then I had good surgery done in uh, the third state that I'd gone to. And it's pretty wild since then because I was able to get up out of the walker and walk into my house within 21 days of that surgery. Since then, it's almost, well, it's over two and a half years of the surgery, the good surgery. Yeah. And in that, it is amazing what God has given to me. And I'm very profound as to what happens. Mm -hmm. I don't realize the fact that I'm standing and talking and showing pictures of what I've gone through. I don't realize how, Im how big an impact that is to how many other folks. Because for me, I wake up and it's me. I'm the same mm. person that I was yesterday. But when folks haven't seen me before or haven't seen me for years, there's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. And that was 16 years ago. Yeah. 
And then complications from the first surgery after the accident yep. led to your pretty much being bedridden several, yeah. a few years ago until you had the surgery. Yeah. And the prognosis wasn't good even after that, correct? It was kind of wild because within six weeks of having the original car accident, I was home. I was going uh, back to the hospital and had a plate put in my head. And that was 13 days after I'd been home. And that was when the journey really began, not just the car accident. Yeah. But ironically, I was back to work within six months of the car accident, was uh, playing all kinds of sports, including <laughs> softball, volleyball, cycling. Um, I had my daughter who had been involved in that as well. But as time went by, my daughter grew up. Uh, I was at one point married. I ended up being divorced. There have been a whole lot of challenges because my daughter, she's now living with her dad and stepmom. I had invited her to be here today, but that did not happen. Yeah. So a lot of heartbreaking stuff through these 16 years. A lot of challenges. Uh, yeah. There's at least two years that I really don't remember what happened because I slept so much. Yeah. But I also don't remember the impact that God has made into me that others see me. Yeah. Just yesterday was hilarious because I went to the gym by 6 a.m., two hours of working out. I'm going from uh, Target and folks see me that haven't seen me for months and they're waving, just so glad to see me. And yeah. Kind of wild because it was actually right here at Aldi's and a gal came up to me. She looked at me and looked right back, came up and says, what's your name? said, Angela. She said, I know, I know you. She was one of the home nurses that I had yeah. whenever I had gone through the good surgery, and she was actually coming to my house only about three times. Yeah. She was completely stunned to see me as to how I am now, because she'd only seen me after the good surgery. Sure. And for me, I don't have that concept, because for me, it's every day. But seeing all these faces that I do know, new friends that I've made, yeah. I just keep praising God that he's gotten, mm. he's gotten me here. Yeah. So I know you've endured a lot in 16 years. And as we're talking about enduring faith this morning, tell me how you've endured some of the challenges, when I, all of the challenges, not just some of them uh, that you face. I know you have uh, on the front of your Vehicle, what is that license plate again? Because I got razzed really hard last time I, I said something about that. Yeah, so uh, what I have on front of my car is this strong like bull. And it's, it's a perspective that I have that you just keep going. I mean, it's not a matter of what happens today, well, that could be the end of it. I look at the perspective as this is life on earth and it's very short and temporary. Yeah. The question is, where are you going to go when you die? Mm -hmm. And I know where I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you remember I said, uh, it was really off the cuff when you said strong like bull. I said on the front of my car, it said weak like pelican. Because I couldn't think of anything at the moment. It's the first thing that popped into my head. Um, but I thought it would be appropriate since I've had time to think since that last time, and I would say, uh, weak like Impala. <laughs> <laughs> and you're welcome. Sorry, I didn't mean to steal, steal the limelight from you, but I know, I know you've been 
been with us long enough to know that I'm a nut. So, <laughs> am I right? Yes, you All are. Right. So, I... so let me... <laughs> Thank you, Angela. Appreciate that. No, seriously, how have you endured the past 16 years? Because I think a lot of people sitting here have seen people go through a lot less than you have and have just thrown their hands up and given up. So what is it that helps you to endure and press on and persevere through all these challenges? Well, I'm definitely a type A individual. I'm the one who, wherever I'm at now, I want to be stronger, uh, more in control of my life, my choices. And the irony in that is as strong as I want to be, God has a bigger plan. But even if I tried to do something and Believe me, it takes a long time to do what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, some folks would think it's easy to dash from the car to the store, but it's not so simple based mm-hmm. on the surface. And I'm not liking winter at all yeah. because then you have the snow and then you have some ice. And when you put salt on top, it is a nightmare to try and walk through that. Yeah, because even, even the little granules of salt are yes. a bit of a complication, yes, aren't they? It is a huge challenge. Yeah. There's numerous folks that drive their cars will drive right in front of me drive behind me i think the biggest pet peeve is those that go behind me they go really really slow and i just kind of <laughs> i just kind of want to roll my eyes and say just go like i don't need any other distractions i have enough challenges right right but i do know that god has a reason that i'm here and yeah. even when i say i want to do this it might take me longer and a lot of that is the endurance Sure. I'm, I'm a huge cyclist, and yeah. it's, it's hilarious that I love to ride, and it's a lot of pedaling. It's a heavier bike than I've ever been on, Yeah. but I keep going, and I did not realize how many folks see me doing that, yeah. how many see me coming to church, coming to numerous churches, going to the gym, and it, it's obviously God's plan yeah. that folks see me, and I'm just trying to be, ironically, normal. Yeah. And I don't think anybody is normal. I really don't. No, we're all pretty much happening. <laughs> I mean, honestly, what is normal? You know? Yeah. Right? What is normal? Uh, normal to me is different than normal for you, is different than normal from anybody else in here. So uh, we all have our different challenges and, you know, hang ups and hurts and all of that stuff that we carry around. And, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to find this place where we can come to and fully trust God and say, all right, God, you know my challenges, and here, I'm going to give them to you because you nailed those things to the cross. I don't need to keep carrying these things around anymore, right? It's that surrender and that, that faith in him. So do you have any words of encouragement for this Christmas season for the rest of our congregation who may be facing challenges of their own uh, loss this Christmas season, different things? Is there any, anything you could help to breathe encouragement and life into these people? Yeah, in all kinds of perspectives, whether it's spiritual, physical, or emotional, going into the seasons, especially Christmas season, Everybody has to dash and think that they need to be buying a ton of gifts and bigger items and more expensive stuff. And in a lot of situations, you can't be with your loved one. Maybe they're in a different area, they couldn't travel here, or those that have died, whether they're in heaven or they have not made God's plan. So there's a whole lot of challenges in the season. And I want folks to realize the easier thing to do is to be kind. I mean, don't 
don't assume that it's all about you. If you think about the other person and you're kinder to them, ironically, God has a different way to make things so much better for you. Mm. And that's, that's the faith that I have. I mean, it's, it's not an easy journey to anybody. And everybody has a different one. But in the midst of all of that, God is always there and he loves every one of us. Mm -hmm. Angela, you, you're, I know that after the last interview we had with you, I guess it's probably been a couple months ago, a lot of people have come to talk to me about how encouraging you've been. And I know a lot of people have come and talked to you about how much you're, you're an inspiration to, to them, especially um, you know, throughout their own personal challenges. So we love you. We thank you. And, um, and if you want to talk to Angela, I'm sure she will be around a little bit afterwards. I'm just a little social, a little social. So, and if you notice her vest on this morning, it says a lot about our personality type and you probably can't see it from there, but it's Looney Tunes. And, uh, and your Lots favorite is your favorite Looney Tunes character? I love Wiley e. Coyote. You know, he's always running off cliffs and hitting. <laughs> hitting uh, but he gets back up again. Amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> love it, Angela. Love it. Well, if you want to talk to Angela after service and get encouragement from her face to face, I'm sure she'd love to talk with you. She'll be around. Uh, and in the meantime, I'm going to say a word of prayer and uh, we'll let you be seated again in the splash zone because I spit when I preach. All right. Um, can I have a couple gentlemen to help? That would be great. And I'll close this in prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you for being here this morning as we uh, press on in your word. Uh, thank you for Angela and her story. Thank you for touching her life, her spirit, her heart, and her body to continue to grow her into a woman of faith, one of these mighty witnesses of great faith. We love you, Father, and we give you all glory, honor, and praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, girl. Can I have a hug? I like hugs. I like warm hugs. All right. I told her my favorite character was Foghorn Leghorn. Um, well, because he's from the South, and uh, he's goofy, like me. So, thank you again, Angela. You've been amazing. So, I lost my voice uh, two days ago and was trying to figure out a contingency plan because I've been uh, uh, battling with a creepy crud, creepy crud. And uh, yeah, it's been pretty nasty. Um, I wanted An Angela to be with us again today because as we've been looking at the faith that it takes to really press into God and press on through our challenges, I think her story is just amazing. In the brief few moments we had with her, you just scrape the surface of her story. If you want to know more, please, I beg you, she loves to talk and she will tell you a ton more. Is that right? So please make sure to see her, greet her, and give her a word of encouragement this morning as well. As we look at characters in the Bible, let me, let me explain this. I don't think you can read 
one character in scripture that did not have challenges, that weren't faced with brokenness or difficulties. The difference in the characters that, that, that made it to the end were those that pressed on in faith. And so today, as we look at Hebrews chapter 11 in this Christmas season, we look at this subject called enduring faith. We uh, come to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 22, and it'll be on the screen here in a moment. If you don't have a Bible, you can look at the screen. There's one in the uh, pew in front of you. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Testament this morning. This is how it reads. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when he called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city destined and built by God. Pause for a minute. You remember Abraham's story? You may not. If you're new to the church, you may not have a clue who Abraham is. You might think he was the president of the United States, and that's okay. There was an Abraham that came way before the president of the United States some 2,500 years ago. And we read about his story, this man who had a wife by the name of Sarah, who struggled in the land that he grew up in. Not as one who didn't have wealth, he was a man of great wealth, but he struggled because he and his wife weren't able to have kids. He couldn't imagine what it would be like to have descendants. But God comes to him in Genesis chapter 12, and we read about the story of God's calling Abraham. Hey, Abraham, go out to a land I will show you. What kind of faith and trust does it take to hear a voice of God who you cannot see and tell you to go to this place that I'll show you and not tell you details of it. Now he gives him a promise, I'll make you into a great nation. Your descendants will outnumber the stars of the sky and the grains of sand on the earth. Now think about that for a minute. What kind of trust does it take to believe in a God you can't see or maybe even understand completely in the challenge of not even being able to have kids. What, what kind of trust does it take to be able to lean in to a God who says, I want you to do this and I'll make you into a great nation? What do we hear and learn about Abraham? Well, if you read that story further, it says Abraham picked up his stuff and his family and he headed off in the direction that God told him to go. If you notice something absent from the story, it's that God didn't say head to the region of Canaan. He didn't say head off to this specific city. And he didn't give him a blow by blow description like Siri does or your GPS system to say, here's the layout of the trip ahead of you. He didn't tell him what challenges he would face along the way. He didn't tell him what things would come in his pathway that would cause him to fear for his own life. God just said, head off to a land I'll show you. 
And Abraham obeyed. Gosh, it's hard, isn't it? How many of us would have picked up everything that we, that we had and left everything we knew to follow God? It's hard. It's really hard. It was by faith, verse 11, that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She was in her 90s at the time. How many 90-year-old women do we have in here? Don't raise your hand. It's not good for me to ask a woman her age. <clears throat> but if you were a 90-year-old woman, how would you enjoy having a child at your age? Just a thought. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation that so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there was, so, there was no way to even count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. Guess what? They saw part of the promise fulfilled, but not all of the promise fulfilled. Because if you read Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's story and their descendant's story, it didn't always play out the way they had planned because they didn't always hold on to the faith that they needed to get through. But God was always willing to fulfill his promise, and he was always going to fulfill his promise in the way he said he would in spite of the lack of faith in the people he trusted to fulfill his plans. You see, there's something about that kind of faith that even when we just have the mustard seed size that God can do so much with it, even when we falter, he is still faithful. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. See, yes, Abraham and Sarah were given a promise they would have many descendants, but guess what they got to see? Isaac. Do you think they got to see millions upon millions upon millions of descendants? No, they believed that God would be true to his word, but they never got to see the fulfillment of that. God gave Abraham a promise in Genesis 1, or Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, and he said, I will make you a blessing to the nations. He didn't get to see the fulfillment of that because he didn't get to see his own generation of kids become a nation themselves. Obviously, Excuse me, let me go on here. They welcomed it from a distance. They agreed that they were foreigners and no man's on the earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they had come from, they would have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That's why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You see, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. 
even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessing, uh, that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau, who were twins in the womb. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each son or each of Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt, even commanded them to take his bones with them when he left, because he knew someday that when they had gotten to the point where it was time to go back to the promised land, that they had yet to attain and receive He's like, I'm gonna die before I see that happen, but I want you to promise me something. You'll take my bones back and bury them in the land that God promised Abraham. Key point this morning is this, faith endures even when we may not see the fulfillment of what we hope for in our lifetime. How many of you are willing to be faithful to continue to press into God knowing that you may not see the end result of what he's promised in your lifetime. See, we live in a culture where, where we get what we want when we want it at the drop of a hat. We can even go into debt for it because we've got credit cards. If I don't have enough money, all I need to do is get a loan or go out and get whatever I want. How many of us are willing to wait How many of us are willing to wait even though we may not see in our own lifetime the fulfillment of the promise that God has given? And what's the promise we wait on? The promise we wait on is Christ's return. See, the promise they waited on was the Messiah that would come, who would establish his kingdom and his kingdom would last forever. Isaiah, we hear about this mighty God, Prince of Peace, everlasting Father. Of his government, there will be no end. It will be a a government of peace. How many of you are longing for a government of peace? A world where there is no fighting and bickering and impeachments and complaining and just nonsensical stuff that tear us apart. Whether you agree on impeachment or not, you can agree with me that the problem in our society is that we're fighting so much against each other that the, the issue isn't gonna be battles from without, but battles from within. And the church has gotten on the bandwagon God forbid it. You see, the kingdom that we press into and press on for and that we are citizens of is a kingdom that will never end. We don't put our hope in the nations of this earth, but rather a heavenly nation that we were created for from day one. 
in this Christmas season, when everybody else around us is bickering and fighting, and it may be even happening in your own family or your own friendships, put down the weapons. Remember the promises of God. And one of those is he would never leave us or forsake us, right? If we truly believe that, and if we truly believe that what he died for was to bring salvation and hope to the world, for those who would believe in him, then what are we worried about? What are we worried about? In our country, in our church, in our society, what are we worried about? Sometimes we feel like our hands are tied. Well, what can we do? Abraham and Sarah, I'll give you a little more glimpse of their story. Guess what? They weren't perfect in their brokenness. God uses broken people to fulfill his promises. But those broken people still are broken, and they still fall and stumble at times. And Abraham and Sarah had waited probably over a decade after they received the initial promise of God that they would have children that would outnumber, descendants that would outnumber the stars in the sky. After a decade is probably getting a little old. Abraham on the verge of turning a hundred. Sarah definitely well beyond childbearing years at this time. And Sarah says, well, I guess God's not going to follow through. So why don't you take my servant girl, Hagar, and sleep with her? Maybe that's how we're supposed to have descendants. And don't we do this? We hear the promises of God. We know what the truth is, but then it seems to be lasting too long in this state of inaction. And so we take matters into our own hands instead of having the enduring faith to wait upon the Lord. Well, I can fix this problem, we think. So Abraham sleeps with Hagar. She conceives a son. And God doesn't jump onto the scene and say, what are you doing? You idiot. No, he doesn't say that. Doesn't say a word. Ishmael grows up, probably a teenager at this point. Finally, Sarah conceives, has a child of her own, the long-awaited promise of God. And then as often happens in homes with multiple kids, they start bickering, fighting, and picking on each other. Sarah gets disgruntled, frustrated. I don't like the way Ishmael's treating Isaac. I want you to do something about this. Kick them out. So Abraham kicks Ishmael and Hagar out and sends them on their way. And what happens? She's officially left for dead because she can't provide for herself in a culture that women didn't hold high enough status. And so she wanders off in the wilderness with her son and she's crying out. And God says, oh, don't worry, I'll take care of you. Your son will have many descendants as well. He will become a great nation. But then here's the caveat. He will be at war with 
the descendants of Isaac for the rest of their days. You see, when we don't do things God's way and wait upon his promise, guess what happens? We set in motion the snowball effect of bad actions that continue throughout history. Does this make the promises of God null and void? No, it just makes it more challenging. What would happen if we actually did what God told us to do in the first place all the time? Anybody have any answers? Because I've thought this myself, because I'm not perfect. I've heard the calling of a God that led me out of central Kentucky to study for the ministry. I left and went a thousand miles away from home to study in a foreign land that was not my own. I left a population town of 1,500 with a graduating public school class of 29, which you've heard me say before, to the great huge city of Lake Wells, Florida, population nearly 20,000. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. I was awestruck and in wonder. Of course, a Kentucky kid living in Florida, how can you beat that? Until I realized it's nothing but scrub brush land and sand living in the middle of the state. Did I get it perfect and right all along? No, definitely not. I stumbled and faltered. I promised my wife I'd never be a pastor because I didn't feel a calling to be a pastor. I felt a calling into ministry. And ministry is much broader than just being a pastor standing on the stage preaching a sermon and going doing hospital visits. I wanted to go into radio or some kind of, you know, talk stuff because I have a face for radio, I've been told. So... What are you going to do with that? Don't clap for that. I heard, one, I heard one clap that you probably can't hear online right now, so add uh, the applause to that later. Thanks. I've gone way off on a tangent, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buzz right through the rest of this. Let me just explain this real quick. If you are willing to wait on the promises of God, you will be so much more fulfilled. You see, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, the whole lot of them knew that God had promised them that through their descendants, they would be a blessing to the nations. And do you know, they failed miserably for centuries because they became ingrown. They, they became focused on themselves and what they wanted. And then they started adopting the cult. Even after they became a nation, they started adopting the cultural attitudes of the pagans who worship multiple gods, sacrifice their children on the altars of their gods, so to speak. And God said, this was not a part of my plan for you. And so he allowed them to succumb to their own actions. They became stripped of their ability to be a blessing to the nations because God took away their national status and dispersed them throughout the land through the uh, Assyrians and the Babylonians. And now, Jesus' day and age, they are under Roman rule. And as the prophets had foretold in the Old Testament, that the Messiah would come from the hometown of David, Bethlehem. That he would be born 
For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Isaiah reminds us that this child would be born of a virgin. Seven hundred years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah tells us these words. Would you be willing to wait 700 years knowing that you wouldn't get to see the fulfillment? And then the day comes and the people that should have recognized who he was didn't. And the far off wise men from the east, astrologers, men who undoubtedly worshiped other gods but knew the signs and the stars and God knew that he could even get them to perk up and pay attention. See a star far off in the east, or in the, and they, they see a star and they begin to follow it. And finally they come to this place and they see this child and they offer him significant gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh, symbolic of royalty and of death. We have some anointing oil up here because we anoint and pray for healing and I was anointing with it and it's myrrh. <laughs> myrrh is an embalming spice for burial. I had to add the caveat, this is for your healing, not your death. You know, when I was praying last time. But that's what myrrh is. The gold and the frankincense were these, were these very expensive things that you only bring to royalty. And the myrrh is an embalming spice for a future death. Can you imagine being the one to bring those gifts? The first thing we notice is they lived as strangers in this world, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The second thing we notice is that they never lost vision and hope. They stumbled and they faltered along their way, but they never lost vision and hope on the promises of God, even when they got it wrong. What made them different was they got back up and they pressed into God. You see, the sad state of affairs is that a lot of people don't have the enduring faith of the witnesses of the past. They give up way too easily. They throw their hands up in frustration. They turn away from God. They say, well, nobody cares about me, and they walk away. Believing the lies of the enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the most common things in 20 years of ministry as a pastor, people get ticked off at the pastor for not doing enough for them. People get ticked off of the church, or they get ticked off of this, and rightly so, because pastors aren't perfect, churches aren't perfect, and if you find one, please let me know. You see, that's why we're to be in this together. Challenging one another, holding each other accountable, loving on each other, and yes, disciplining each other when it's necessary, but because we love one another above all else. But I see people get so frustrated that they're willing to throw their hands up and walk away. And when they've done that, they've basically thrown up this hand of surrender to the enemy and said, take me. And they don't mean to do that. And they will probably fight you tooth and nail saying that's not what they're doing. But that's what happens. 
When you get to the point where you're willing to give up and walk away from God, walk away from the church, well, because somebody said something to me or somebody didn't say something to me, sometimes you just can't win. And you gotta get to the point where you say, listen, buck up little camper. This world is broken. But there is a savior who's not. He was. But through that brokenness, he's made us whole. And he sits at the right hand of the Father, advocating on your behalf, on my behalf, saying, I believe in them, I believe in them. The problem is I can't get them to believe in themselves. The enemy, the great distractor and deceiver, gets us so sidetracked on these silly, stupid, nonsensical things and arguments that we forget the promises of God and we focus on the wrong things. Abraham, why don't you sleep with my servant Hagar? Isaac, why don't you lie about Rebecca being your wife? That guy might kill you. Jacob, why don't you trick your brother out of his birthright and out of the inheritance as a firstborn son? Yeah, why don't you do that? Do you think God's whispering in his ear telling him to do that? No, but you know what God does best? He makes beauty from ashes. He restores what's broken. He's able to see the bigger picture. And no, hey, they're probably going to mess up pretty royally bad, but I can do something with this. I can do something with this. I watch a show on Netflix. You might have seen it. My kids and my wife, I think, really hate it. It's called The Repair Shop. And The Repair Shop is a place where they don't throw out old and discarded stuff. It's a place where it can get a second revival of life and hope. And so they'll bring in grandfather clocks that are 100 years old, or they'll bring in, you know, toys or porcelain dolls that are 70 years old and, and that just look like they're ready for the trash heap. And, and, and these uh, professionals in this workshop will spend time working meticulously to repair what's broken. And so then bring in this porcelain bulldog. It looked ugly even after it was repaired. And it looked, it looked irreparable, quite frankly, because it had been smashed and crudely glued back together. But I watched the lady who does the porcelain. And she spends hours meticulously taking off the old glue as not to ruin the broken, cracked areas. Because those pieces that have been broken, when they're taken good care of, they can fit back perfectly the way they came apart. So she takes off the crudeness. She takes off all that somebody else had tried to do to fix it that left these gaping holes. And she meticulously cleans and repairs to the point where you look at it and you think, oh my gosh, was that even broken to begin with? I mean, it's, it, every time they bring the client back in to, to get what, was, what they've brought to be restored, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't, where, where were the cracks? Where were the broken? See, this is what Jesus does. This is what the baby in a manger in Bethlehem was born for. 
This is what Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of their descendants had longed for, but never got to experience. That you and I get the privilege of experience in the here and now. But see, now we press on to another promise. Because Jesus says in John chapter 14 to his disciples, to those that believed in him, I'm not gonna be with you much longer. But I'm telling you something, I'm gonna go prepare a place for you. Because see, in my father's house, (laughs) there are many, many rooms. But you can't go where I'm going right now. But I will come back and get you so that you will be with me. See, that's the promise we have. That that baby who was raised and was born was gonna someday die on a cross for the sins of the world. And that before he left, he would give this promise. I go prepare a place for you. And I promise you, I'll come back. Guess how long ago he said that? Almost 2,000 years ago. So we, in 21st century America, still lean into the promise of Jesus. Not sure if it'll happen in our lifetime or not, but believing that God will still fulfill his promise even if he doesn't come in our lifetime. So we press on to that high calling, believing in the promises of God. Finally, these people of the Old Testament never wished to go back, but they pressed onto a homeland that was beyond this world. Let me close with this. Author Jay Stoll in his book, Fan the Flame, and I think I've read this illustration to you before, but man, it's so fitting. Listen to this. He writes this, the Greeks had a race in their Olympic games that was unique. The winner was not the runner who finished first. Hear me out on this. I used to run races. This body can't run a race now. It's too roly-poly. But I used to run, and the goal was to be first. But in this Greek game, there was a race where the runner to finish first wasn't always the one to win. It was the runner who had finished with his torch still lit. Do you hear that? Not the one to finish first, but the one to finish with his torch still lit. Stoll continues, I want to run all the way with the flame of my torch still lit for Christ. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, they all pressed on. They kept that torch lit for Christ because they knew someday he would come. They didn't know what he would look like. They didn't know whom he would be born to. They just know it was a virgin girl. Some of them, actually these characters didn't even know that much because Isaiah came well after their time. They knew that even if they didn't get to see the fulfillment of God's promises within their lifetime, that all these things would come to pass because God is always faithful. The faithful men and women of the past never lost vision or hope because 
they didn't see with physical eyes the reality of God's promises, but rather through spiritual eyesight that peered into the distant reality of the kingdom of God. And they were satisfied by the part that they played within his grand story. Are you satisfied with the part you're playing within his grand story? Will you be able to look back to this day, 2019, December the 22nd, and say, right now, I am glad of the part that God has called me to play, and I am being faithful even if I don't get to see the fulfillment of my efforts in my lifetime. If you can't say that, then there's a question mark there for you. But Brandon, I'm just a nobody. You see, in God's kingdom, there are no nobodies. And God's kingdom isn't some far off promise, it is a present reality. It's embodied in the citizens of his kingdom. And the citizens of his kingdom are those who believe in his son, Jesus Christ, who have repented of their sins, have turned their lives completely and fully over to God, and are walking his pathway. If you're obediently walking that path, regardless of whether you see yourself as some great icon or some minuscule player, you are somebody in God's reality and somebody in God's kingdom. The psalmist who wrote, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I was knit together in my mother's womb. I know this full well. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I know this full well. Do you have that confidence? God made me fearfully and wonderfully. And I have the confidence in God's craftsmanship. Not an arrogance but a humility knowing that he loves me enough to spend time on me. Because he slowly put the cellular matter and the muscle tissue and the bones and the organs and everything in the place where they should be. This world isn't our home, ladies and gentlemen. As our worship team comes forward to close us out, you need to remember that. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. If we believe in him, have surrendered our lives to him, there is a place for you. Heaven is the home that we were made for. This paradise lost due to sin and death is not what we were made for. This broken world has no hope for our future, but there's a new heaven and a new earth that laid just off in the distance. And God's children can see the light of hope in the horizon with their eyes of faith. Are you one of those? Let me pray over you this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for your promises. And honestly, they're countless. If we're truly reading the word with eyes to see, 
God, you made some spectacular promises to us and to generations past and some promises yet to be fulfilled. And so we wait with patience and faith, enduring the struggles and the hardships we face, knowing that they're only for a season and a time, they will not last forever. And if we endure with faith, it will be counted to us as righteousness, just as it was to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Restore, restore to us the joy of your salvation. Remind us of the purpose of the lives you created us for. Remind us that even if we don't get to see the fulfillment of the promise, that we are to press in with joy. Remembering the fulfillment of the birth of the Messiah in whose name sins are cast off in whose name the broken are healed, in whose name the captives are set free, the blind can see, the deaf can hear, in whose name that the dead live again. And remind us that in Jesus' name, we have promises of a future with you. And let us, as the great cloud of witnesses for future generations, continue to hold the banner of Christ high in our lives so that those that go before us, those that come after us, God, would know that the promises you give are worth living for. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.